All right, welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. On this episode, we're going to continue our discussion on money and marriage, so I think we'll just go ahead and call this part two, okay? So, in the last time that we had talked about money and marriage, we talked about maybe some of the emotions, you know, behind it, where you start getting into uh, communicating about money and uh, coming clean about, you know, your money mistakes, coming clean about where your state of finances are, you know, that credit card that you may have had hidden, that, you know, um, you know, the loans and the total debt that you haven't let your spouse in on as you were the one that was handling all of the finances for the household, right? And so your partner uh, was either in the dark uh, about the situation or, you know, uh, was also involved in financial infidelity, should we say. You know, and we went through and we talked about why they may be hiding it, you know, some of the things that they, you know, may have been thinking while the debt was accruing, you know, all of that. You know, so we're not going to go through and rehash, you know, those things. Now we're going to start talking about, okay, you've finally decided you're going to come clean, you know, and you want to improve communication in your marriage. And that's why. You're doing the budgeting and everything. And, you know, you should have been doing this all along anyways, whether or not you're happy or unhappy with the state of your marriage and communication. Great couples, you know, that win in life are those are those couples that are diligent and planning, you know, their futures, both financially and career wise. You know, so. We go through and we talk about that. Maybe you've, you know, in the time since the last uh, podcast, you've got really motivated. You know, you listed out all of your debts. You had a budget meeting and you signed up for Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Okay. Now what? Huh? Now what? Well, you know, when we go through and we take a look at this, we go through and we take a look at what the baby steps are. And this is something that Dave Ramsey and his team talks about a lot. What are the baby steps? You know, uh, what are the steps towards getting out of debt and building wealth? Well, step one, you need an emergency fund. Life happens. Life is going to come around and smack you upside the head from time to time. And, you know, you can't stop that from happening. What you can do is plan for the unknown. Now you're going, well, if it's unknown, how can we plan for it? Well, you know something's going to happen sooner or later. You just don't know when, where, and what form. And so you need to have an emergency fund. Now, the, the point about step one is you're not going to have a fully funded emergency fund. You just need something to give you a little bit of a cushion between you and life. You know, and while some people say, put this at, you know, $1,000, some people will go, well, you know, that number's outdated. Let's do $2,000, all right? Me, on the other hand, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, if you're going to do an emergency fund, you know, the starter emergency fund, you know, what I would do is one month's take-home pay. That's what I would have 
for an emergency fund. And that should cover a lot of things. It should even cover uh, if you lost, you know, your job, being able to really quickly, you know, uh, have the money to get through uh, while you wait for the unemployment benefits to come in and give you uh, some peace of mind while you focus on getting your resume updated and getting your online profiles like LinkedIn updated and start going after new jobs. So I would start at one month's income when you're planning your, you know, beginner emergency fund, shall we say. Okay, then the next thing you need to do is start taking a look at a debt snowball. All right, that is step two of this plan. And what does a debt snowball, you know, accomplish? Well, it gets you out of debt really fast, but... If you're a math nerd, you might think it doesn't make sense, you know, because what it's doing here in the debt snowball is you take your debts and you list them from smallest debt to largest debt. And if you are a math nerd, you're going, well, why would we start with the smallest debt? Why wouldn't we go for the biggest debt and, you know, save ourselves a lot of money on interest? Look, if this was a math problem, you know, yes, you would technically be right, but then again, you wouldn't be in debt to begin with. Right? This isn't a math problem. This is a behavior problem. And when you think about the debt snowball, why it works, listing your debts from smallest to largest and then attacking the smallest one first, is the same reason, you know, why people who lose weight, you know, um, you know, in, in the first week, you know, of their plan tend to stick with it and see great progress. You need to have some of those quick wins in the beginning to realize, yes, you can get this done. Yes, you know, if you do these things, you will get to your destination, your goals, your plan. Right? But if you're going off and you start off with the most or the highest debt, the largest debt, it's going to take you a long time or at least much longer, to get that first win. And so what happens if you don't get that win right away is you start losing motivation. You're like, well, this really isn't working. You know, I don't see any difference in our finances. Things aren't really moving that fast. You know, you're going to give up. You're going to give up before you, you know, hit your main stride and accomplish your goals. But if you go through and you start off with the smallest debt, you get that off quickly and you're like, hmm, this worked. And plus, you freed up the payment from that smallest debt to now go as extra on your next smallest debt. So that gets paid off faster. And then you roll that, you know, that payment into the next debt. Now you're paying minimum on, uh, minimum payments on all your debts. But, you pay all the extra money that you can afford on the smallest debt. And then you take the minimum payment plus all the extra you were throwing at the smallest debt and throw that as extra payment on the second smallest debt. And then when that's paid off, you just keep rolling that amount and you quickly see your debt reducing as you, you know, get rid of, you know, one payment after another, you know, and you stick with it. You know, you feel great. And if you create visual charts, 
you know, between, you know, for you and, you know, your spouse to go through and look at uh, as you're going through this journey, you know, seeing that uh, visual chart will also help you stay motivated and communicating, you know, um, when you do the budget and we'll get into the budget here in a little bit, but when you go off and you do the budget, you can start seeing that, Hey, that payment is off the budget. We no longer owe that person anything. And you start seeing that and it's motivating. Okay. So now once you get out of debt, what's the next thing you do? Well, you go back to baby step one and you finish off the emergency fund, even though this is baby step three, you finish off the emergency fund with saving up three to six months worth of expenses, three to six months. Now, typically I tend to want to go towards the six months, you know, and you know, some people might say save up a year, but you know, saving up a year's worth of expenses you know, can take a long time and that can be demotivate or, you know, demotivate you. So I would go with the six months uh, of expenses. This is six months worth of house payments, utility payments, what your groceries are going to be, you know, that type of thing. You know, just basically take your budget, right? Get rid of all the miscellaneous non-essential stuff, right? And only keep on, you know, what your bills are. You know, uh, food, utilities, uh, house payment, transportation, you know, those things and have, you know, your six months, you know, and make sure that you have saved up, you know, at least, you know, the next, you know, have when it comes to things like your auto insurance and your, you know, homeowner's insurance or, you know, maybe you're a renter and you have renter's insurance, make sure that you're ahead of the curve there, that while you're putting aside money each and every month for that lump sum payment, you know, that you already have the next payments, you know, uh, money there and that you're saving up for the time after. And that's what lump sum uh, payment planning is. You just take bills that are only due every six months or every year, put down what the total cost is, divide that by 12, and that's how much you need to put aside each month for that payment, you know, so that you're not trying to come up with it and scramble for it all at once. You know, you're just saving it up bit by bit uh, in between payments so that it's there when you need it. Okay. So after you get through baby step three, right, you got your three to six months uh, of expenses saved up in an emergency fund. Now you go to baby step four. Now this is where the fun really begins. Baby step four is when you start planning your retirement investing. This is where you go through and you start putting aside 15% of your income into retirement. This is, you know, your 401ks, your IRAs, Roth IRAs. Now, if I was you, what I would do is if you have a 401k at work, I would invest up to the match of that 401k. And let me try and explain this. Uh, most employers have a match, you know, where the first 3% of your income that you put in to your 401k, the employer matches that 
but dollar for dollar. Some of you may have 5%. Some of you may have 6%. You know, I, uh, the employer uh, that I have does 6%. So I'd put 6% of my income away into a 401k. Now, if you have the chance, do a Roth 401k. Yes, it's after tax dollars, but that means there's less taxes for you to pay at retirement and all the growth during that time, at least the growth of the portion of the money that you put in there is tax free. Now, the growth on the money that your employer puts in there, you'll still have to pay taxes. And so then after you go through and you invest up to the match in the 401k, get an investment guy. You know, there's a lot of investment places, you know, all over, you know, and you can see which one works, you know, good for you. And with that, you would invest the difference between the 15% minus what you're doing uh, in your 401k and invest the rest of that into a Roth IRA. And when we say invest, we don't mean CDs at the bank, right? That don't get jack crap for interest. No, you're going to go through here and you're going to invest that in the stock market. Don't do single stocks, do mutual funds, right? They're a safe investment, you know, well, as safe as any investment can get. And they have, you know, they tend to have a great track record. They're diversified uh, in risk, you know, and there's different types of mutual funds. You know, if depending on how much money that you have, you might want to spread that out between, you know, uh, mutual funds into large businesses, uh, mid-sized businesses, small businesses, you know, aggressive growth, and international funds, right? You might want to go ahead and divvy it up that way. But if you don't have enough money to do that, then yes, you know, go ahead, put it all in, you know, to one. And which one you do probably depends on where you are in life. And when I say where you are in life, I mean your age. The younger you are, the more you can accept taking risks and aggressive growth funds. You know, there are going to be wild roller coasters. You know, um, the older you are, you probably want to get into your large cap blue chip funds. You know, that are just steady and, you know, not much movement up and down. You know, uh, as far as what the worth uh, of the individual stocks are, but you get a steady, consistent rate of return, right? And again, we're just walking you up the baby steps, you know, of what it is, you know, you're planning here, what your financial plan is. If you still have kids, then baby step five is you start putting money away, you know, um, for your kids' college fund, college savings. And then, you know, step six is pay off your mortgage, right? Now, the debt snowball of step two was everything but the mortgage. Now that we get to step six, we pay off the mortgage. And then step seven is just build wealth and enjoy. Right? So those are your, you know, plan. You know, those are the steps that you're going to be going through. Now, we're going to go through and we're going to talk about putting together that first budget. You know, what to expect, how long it's going to take for the budget to start being accurate. 
how you go about, you know, coming to an agreement on the budget and more. But first, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. You know, the truth is, uh, when I leave off uh, the first segment, I don't know how many of you actually get an ad served to you. You know, I, I know that it may seem strange if I say, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, and then you don't hear anything and it comes back. But that's because I have the ads automatically inserted, much like what you see on YouTube. Um, you know, with the host that I have, Anchor, uh, how this all works, uh, just in case some of you are not hearing the ads, is that, you know, I get notified that there's somebody who wants to you know, advertise on my podcast. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's Anchor. And there's been some times where it's been other advertisers. And sometimes I accept it or sometimes I reject it just because, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't truly know, or I shouldn't say don't truly know, but there are some sponsors that I don't believe in. You know, or that I don't think is right for the audience. And so when it comes down to it, I end up rejecting more advertisers uh, than I accept uh, just because of, you know, what I do and do not believe in. So if you're one of the people who don't hear the ads, you know, just know that just like YouTube, I just put the spot where I want the ad uh, to go, you know, and then I read the script. And it automatically puts the ad in there. And so some of you, uh, because of that, you're hearing different ads. Right? Some of you are just hearing the ads uh, for the podcast hosting. Some of you are hearing ads for the various other things. Right? So I just wanted to put that up there because uh, I've noticed you know, some feedback that says, I take a break to thank our sponsor, and then they didn't hear the sponsor. You know, just. You know, FYI on that. Okay, so now uh, let's dive right back into this. So we go through here and, you know, you got the baby steps. You've decided that you're going to, you know, work together on your finances and work as a team. You got all your debts listed and now you're lost. You know, how do you put together the financial plan? Well, the financial plan is called a budget. And I know some people find this to be scary, right? Ooh, the budget. You know, some of you got a bad idea that the budget is, you know, you know, someone telling you what you can and can't do with your money. Well, in a sense, that's true, but the person telling you what you can and can't do is you. It's your past self trying to tell your future self what you need to do if you want to succeed with money. And some of you hate it because you've been beaten over the head with the budget in the past. Where you weren't on board, but your spouse was all gung-ho. And they would put together the budget, and you had no say in it because, you know, they figured they did it right. And then if you didn't stick to the budget, oh, they start smacking you on the nose like scolding a dog. Right? So you need to do the budget together. Now, how you do a budget is you take a look at, you know, putting together categories. You know, and the first categories that you do is, you know, your housing and utilities, you know, your food, your transportation, your clothing, right? You put up your walls, right? And then once you get those filled in, 
you know, you, you expand, you know, to tithing and charity. Uh, you know, you start putting in, you know, miscellaneous household items like your trash bags and stuff. You know, I, I just put all that trash bags, laundry detergent, all that just under miscellaneous household. This is how we do it in our, in my house. Right? And then you start putting together your insurances and, you know, your debt and you just kind of categorize, you know, what the category is and then what items you have in those categories that you need to pay for the month. And you can create templates. I usually do this on an Excel spreadsheet. And then you start filling it in. You take a look at, okay, here's the income I believe I'm going to have for this month. If you have a regular nine to five job, this is pretty easy for you to figure out because your income doesn't fluctuate much, right? Maybe if you put in some overtime, but other than that, you pretty much know if you put in 40 hours a week, this is what you're going to get paid. For those of you who work on commission, well, you know, you'll have to do a prioritized spending plan where you take a look at here's the items that you need to take care of and the importance of those items. And then you list down, you know, um, how much each of those items are. And then as you get money in, you pay for your number one priority, your number two, your number three, your number four, and you just kind of go down that list. Now, when you do the budget, one of you is going to be better at it than the other. You know, one of you is more inclined to do the budget, run the numbers. And so that person is going to put together the first draft. Yes, you're not doing the finalized budget. You're doing the first draft, right? So you'll go through, and how I do this in my household is I'm the nerd, right? I'm the nerd. I like doing the numbers. So I got my Excel spreadsheet, you know, uh, one tab lists all the income, the other tab, you know, lists, you know, what the monthly budget is. You go, go over one more tab. And you got, you know, your paycheck allocation, what paycheck spending on which item. I got, you know, another tab that breaks down. Here's what we got in uh, savings for the different things. You know, like here's how much we have in our Christmas savings. This is how much we have in our emergency fund. This is how much we have in our, you know, retirement. You know, and I go through and I do that. Then the tab over is, you know, a really complicated formula that uh, formulized spreadsheet that, you know, calculates, you know, the debt snowball based off of this payment. This is how long it's going to take to pay off each debt. And here's your debt free day. All right. So yes, I'm the nerd. So I go through and I put in, okay, here's what our income is going to be. And then I put together the draft, you know, of the, the first draft of the budget. And then I put it on our cloud drive and with it being on the cloud drive, it can be accessed from any computer hooked up to our router. You know, and so I just let my wife know, hey, the first draft is ready. Please edit it by, and then I give a date. And that date is not the next day. That date is not the next few hours. That date is, I usually uh, like to go through and give her a good week. To look it over because I know she's a free spirit. She's not going to be getting right in there right away. And so this requires a little bit of pre-planning. And as you do more budgeting, 
you know, uh, you start to know what the bills are going to be estimated from month to month. You know, they don't really change too much. Maybe the utility bills, you know, change with the seasons, but you know, you could account for that, you know, uh, as well. And so you just kind of go through and I let her take her time. She, you know, proposed some edits and there's some, you know, and I keep uh, track change, you know, on there so I can see, you know, what she's editing, you know, for her proposal, you know, uh, because she knows more uh, than I do, at least about what the kids' clothing are going to be and, you know, the more of the kids' specific expenses, you know, because she's home Monday through Friday while I'm at work. So she's more involved with the kids because, well, she only works on Saturdays and Sundays, so she has more time with them. You know, and so she knows more about the miscellaneous household expenses as well. So she'll go through and she'll create her edits, you know, on what she wants to do. And then we plan for us to get together to discuss it. Sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, the kids, uh, we just break out, you know, uh, a laptop, you know, to go over the budget. You know, um, sometimes it's just my little Windows tablet. You know, sometimes it's my big uh, computer. Sometimes, you know, we just, you know, do it on our phone, on our tablets, you know. It, you know, just whatever device is convenient at the time, right? But, but what I like to do, and this is how kind of nerdy I get, is, you know, I will break out the tablet, and then I will connect it to the TV uh, through the Chromecast, and then display the budget on the TV, and so that it's, you know, a nice big screen that we can look through, and we start taking a look, okay, here's what, here's what uh, the proposal is, here's what your changes are, and then we discuss some of those changes. You know, um, you know, what's the justification? Was I too high uh, on the dollar amount and we didn't need that much? Or was I too low? And if I was too low, why? You know, and we just kind of hammer that out. Usually only takes us about 15, 20 minutes, you know, because we've done this for so long. Sometimes it's only 10 minutes, you know, because we've done this for so long. You know, and then we go through and we come to a finalized budget. We save that. And then uh, I go through and I take a look at the paycheck allocation, and you know I will go ahead fill that in, and then I'll have her take a quick look at it because well you know while I'm doing the paycheck allocation, well if I'm scheduling something for the you know paycheck number two of the month, and she needs it in paycheck one, well okay so I just move some things around. Right, but that's how you get through uh, great communication. Now, when you start doing this, don't expect it to go smoothly the first few times. Expect there to be a lot of mistakes, but don't give up on the budget. The more you do it, the more experience you get at it, and the better you can refine it. Now, the reason why it won't be so great is because, well, in the first month, you you know don't really know what you've been spending on everything what the cost of it all has been, you know, because you've just been kind of, oh, I have the money, let's spend it, you know, let's go ahead and swipe the card, you know, so you don't know, you know, really what the expenses are, 
And there are also going to be things that come up that you didn't plan for. Each month has slightly different things. You know, you don't plan for a birthday every single month. You don't plan for Christmas every single month. Well, I mean, I guess you do if you do the lump sum payment plan, but you get the point. You know, your car insurance only comes due, you know, once or twice a year. You know, and so you weren't really thinking about that stuff. You know, and so there will be some things uh, that come up, and it's going to take you about three or four months of doing the budget together for you to be able to get it down and get it working good. Now, after you get the budget uh, going, and, well, let's take one more moment here to talk about the budget meeting. It's a meeting. It's not a weekend summit, right? It shouldn't take more than, you know, your first time, you know, maybe 30 minutes, you know, and then as you get more and more experience, you can get it between 10 and 15 minutes. It doesn't need to be, you know, um, you know, an eight hour day hammering through the budget. You know, whoever wants to do that is going to lose the other partner. All right. So now that you got the budget all created, how do you stick to it? Well, you need a way to track your spending and whether or not you're sticking to the budget or going over the budget. So, I mean, you if you are intent and, you know, uh, you know, just stubborn about just using a debit card, okay, then at least you're going to need to have some sort of app or something, you know, that you uh, and your partner, you know, sh- you know, share together, you know, one login for both of you, and get in there and, you know, update after every purchase, you know, what, you know, category you just spent from. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not that disciplined where every time I make a purchase, I'm going to remember to immediately pull out my phone, enter all the information in before I leave the store, you know, or before I leave the parking lot. Because if I don't do it before I leave the parking lot, I'm just going to forget about it. And then I'm going to break the budget. Now, how me and my wife go about it is we use the envelope system. Yes, that means we carry cash. And we carry cash and specialized, you know, wallets that have envelopes inside of it. And so what we do, and you, this is something that you can pick up uh, from the DaveRamsey.com store. You know, and that's where we got ours from. You know, so. You get the envelopes, you know, inside of a, you know, wallet, you know, uh, case, you know, no bigger than, you know, what a checkbook I would look like. And yes, I still write checks. I still find it uh, to be a very convenient way to manage money, you know, and an effective way of managing money. But anyways, you know, going through that, you write on each envelope the budget category that it is for. And then, when you get paid, you go to the bank, you withdraw the money that will go in the envelopes, which, you know, might be just about everything, um, you know, that isn't a bill. You know, now, you know, for me and my wife, I mean, we leave in, we don't take out everything anymore. We used to. But, you know, over the years, after we've had more kids, we found it uh, convenient to leave the grocery money in the account. And then order our groceries online, you know, uh, to get it from Walmart or Hy-Vee or, you know, uh, one of the other places. 
you know, you know, do the shopping online and then go, uh, you know, go to the store, you know, and then have them load up, you know, uh, the back of the van, you know, and then, you know, we take off. We find that much easier and much more convenient than dragging the kids into the stores and trying to do our grocery shopping while they're running all over and trying to ask, can we have this? Can we have that? You know, so just be, uh, you know, cognizant of that. You know, but for the things that aren't like that, you'll want to go through and use the envelope system. You know, have the money, you know, there and, you know, uh, available uh, to you. You know, in the cash, put the cash in the envelope that's for that budget category. And then when you spend money, you only spend money out of that envelope for that budget category item. Right? That's it. And then when the money is gone from the envelope, that's it. You can't buy any more stuff from that budget category. And that will keep you from breaking the budget, going over the budget. And you need to make sure that you're keeping each other accountable to uh, the budget. If you just, you know, go ahead and put all this effort into doing the budget and then you still go off and do whatever the flip you want, you're going to have money fights and this isn't going to solve anything. You need to actually show discipline and stick to the budget. All right, now, after you got all of this figured out, you're going to have to learn together about investing. Yes, this is for when you get to the retirement savings and wealth building. Retirement, kids' college education, and wealth building. You need to learn about budgeting. You know, what the different types of, you know, investment vehicles are. You know, some of the pros and cons of it. And really go through and educate yourself on that. In fact, uh, let me just make a note here. Uh, I'll probably do one more, one or two more on this money and marriage uh, series here. Uh, I'll just make a note that, you know, maybe part three I talk about investing. And you'll figure out that the more you two communicate about your money, the more you communicate about the budget, getting out of debt, investing, the closer you will become as a couple, the closer and more meaningful your conversations will get. Because ultimately, what money does and what communicating about money and putting together your budget and your financial plan does is it talks to, it forces you to dream together about your future. Dream together about what life you're trying to build is. And it's also about the two of you agreeing on what the values of your household is. That's why talking about money and financially planning your futures together is so important in creating a deep, meaningful uh, connection in your marriage, in your relationship, and how it can lead you to not be fighting about money, be less stressed about money, and be happier and more fulfilled. Right? You'll be amazed. A lot of couples, 
will say that they've tried all types of therapies, you know, couples therapy and, you know, all types of things, but it wasn't until they started getting on the same page together with their money and financially planning their future together that their marriage was saved. Think about that. That is such a great impact. All right, that's it uh, for this episode. I will go ahead and, you know, uh, next week I'll talk about, you know, talk about investing and side hustles. And uh, as part three of our Money in Marriage series. Thank you so much uh, for your time and attention today. It's really appreciated. And I will be back again soon.